Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast. We're Jesse and Brooke, two therapists and friends, sharing our lived stories and creating an unscripted space for healing. We hope this podcast empowers our listeners to find freedom and bravery through examining the heart of life with curiosity and permission. While this isn't a substitute for therapy, we believe that you'll find healing, belonging, and your own invitation into becoming. Welcome back to the Heart of Life podcast. We are excited to be talking about change today. We've been talking about change so much in these last podcasts as we navigate what it looks like to internally change, to welcome change, to recognize how much we have changed. And even when we're experiencing the same situation or what feels to be the same situation, being curious about what is different about us in this situation. So last week we left you with the invitation to find something that you'd like to say to a former version of yourself, to think about what you would want that person, that version of you to know about who you are today and how what they were doing has created the conditions for today. We had a bonus to change that to just three lines. In three lines, what would you say to that former self. Maybe that former self is a child version of you, an adolescent version of you. Maybe it's you from a week ago. Mm. Um, but I'm really curious about what came up for you, who you, which version of you you were thinking of. Um, and again, you know, this is something I would really love to hear from other people as well, how they, who they talked to. Yeah, I hope that you all will write in and tell us, let us know those things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you and I were joking about a former version of me that was really trying to help me out. (laughs) (laughs) And and I really, she sabotaged me. (laughs) (laughs) So when we were um, recording the last episode, I, you know, I was feverishly trying to write the invitation that we were sharing. And what I wrote was gibberish. Right, I couldn't read it, and um, Brooke decoded it for me to the best that she could, <laughs> which came out as, be still, bestie. What happens when you live to fork? <laughs> but that past version of me was trying her best. <laughs> and what would you say to her? I would say, um, slow down, write more clearly, or, you know, or just... Or just be yourself right. also. Yeah, like it's what I'd like to say to her is thank you. Like that was a very entertaining experience to try and decode <laughs> this message, which yeah. we eventually got. We eventually got there and it made complete sense within the context, right? <laughs> right. Yes, so thank you to that version. Um, in doing this though, I, I really had a sense of thinking about versions of me in the past that have had to do very brave things despite um, fear or discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so I thought Which about- Which is when we're most brave, by the oh, way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, and especially like a version of me once that had to donate blood that is very hard for me because I'm phobic of needles. After I completed that, I I literally could have- kicked a door down 
I mean, get out of my way. Right? <laughs> I can do anything. I can do anything. And uh, yes, very similarly, right? This version of me that I thought of was the version of me that was leaving my job before going into private practice. And <clears throat> the amount of courage that that took, right? And um, doing it anyway. Like you, and, and part of what actually got me into that space of knowing it was time was someone really wise in my life had shared the phrase, your soul has already gone before you and done what you're about to do. So I knew there was a version of me still to come. And that version of me that I was in that moment was ushering her in. So I did the thing. I quit the job. I left like the actual moment of leaving or saying I'm going to be leaving was so hard. And if I could go back to that version of me sitting in my office, trying to work up the gumption and the will to walk down the hall and give my notice, I would have told her, as much as you know, this will be worth it. I want you to multiply that by a hundred because you cannot even fathom what is to come. Right. So beautiful. That's what I'd say. Yeah. How about for you? Yeah, you know, I I was um, journaling the other morning and I had forgotten. I have this drawer in my kitchen where I keep books that I'm meditating over, pondering, and I have journals and note cards and all sorts of things in there. But I hadn't opened it up for a long time. I had kind of switched what I was doing in the morning and then decided to come back to it. But there was, um, there's a three ring binder in there and I had slipped a picture of myself when I'm about four or five Mm. into that three ring binder and the other morning I was sitting there looking at her looking at this little girl and understanding what life handed to her like the the joy and the sorrow and the the high moments and all of those things and wanting her to know what she contained inside. Mm. Like that there like there are multitudes, right? Like this little body, you and I were talking about this earlier today. I love I love thinking about seed as metaphor, but this little four or five year old body contained all that I am today. And I, that's, that's the part I wanted to talk to the, the part that, you know, was embarrassed at school or fell off her bike or (laughs) all those things and saying, yeah, yeah, that's okay. And you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea what, what you contain inside. I think, um, that for most of us, Often we can be where we are right now and see how far we've come, how much we've grown, what we've learned in, in the hard things and in the, in the joyful moments we're learning all the time, right? We can see how much we've changed, but then we have such a hard time imagining that that much change can happen from this moment forward. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like we're really, really stuck where we are, and this is just it, right? I'm 46 years old. This is who I am. This is where I am. Um, but you, you contain so much more, hmm. and and everything 
What I want her to know too is everything you need is there. You'll need to ask for help in how to access it. And you'll need to learn what it means to use those things wisely. But everything you need is there. I I love the the idea of this as seed, right? Like I'm I'm thinking about and we talk we talk about plants all the time and given the season that we're in when we record this and when you happen to listen you can tell if it's fall or winter or spring. <laughs> but I'm thinking about last summer my my zucchini plants because I really overcrowded them in this box that I have and I was like this is fine because this is how big this will be. And by the end of the season, they were overflowing, like f- just falling over the sides. And I, I had this idea at that moment of like, I had no idea it was going to become this, mm-hmm. right? But it's, it was a very short season mm-hmm. that it happened in. And so I just love that reminder of we can reflect back on all we have done and where we've come from. But if we, if we stay on pace, if you will, right, there are so many more things that are going to move us. Right. In our lives. Right. And on pace doesn't mean hard and heavy work. On pace just means like, like unfolding to the becoming that is. Yeah. Right. To, to let go, to step in. To natural pace. Yeah. To, to move, to be in collaboration with life. Yes. And to, to move with that, creating the conditions for growth and for health and all of those things. And then just allowing, allowing is what um, opens up what we contain. Yeah. Yeah. And these, these really um, complex worlds that we are living in, right. Where we are having these reflective experiences. I mean, each, just each of us, right. We had this very specific experience with this reflection and our growth and what's to come. And then each of our listeners had that. And that's the case for everybody in the world mm-hmm. of growing, right? Right. And there are there are seasons of of a lot of expansion, and there are seasons when it feels like we haven't moved very much, but we've still moved. I am certain I've talked about this before, but it's something that I think about often, always when I think about growth and healing and becoming, I have this immediate attachment to something in nature, something that models this for us. But with trees, right, you cut them down and you can see how old they are. We all know that. We learned that in grade school by, by counting the rings. But what we also know is when they've had seasons of plenty and seasons of hardship, because in the seasons of plenty, the rings are pretty wide. They've grown out But in the seasons of hardship, whether that's fire or drought or something else, disease, the ring is actually really, really small, sometimes even very hard to see because all of the resources went down in creating stronger roots. Wow. So even in those places where we feel stuck, we can ask ourselves, is this a season where I'm growing outward or is this a season where I'm... I'm being asked or invited Mm. to create deeper roots. I love that question. And what I come back to when I think of trees is, I I think I've shared this. I know I shared it at least with you, Brooke. I don't know if we've shared it on the podcast, but I learned that the very center of the tree is called the heartwood. And it's the most dense and strongest. And it's what keeps the tree upright. 
right? And I just love the language of that, that the, the seasons, whether we're expanding out in abundance or we're growing down and rooted deeply, right, to ensure our survival, our core heartwood is what is keeping us mm-hmm. sustained in either of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. So we've been talking a lot about change and specifically our own personal change. But what I wanted to talk about today, maybe in that, that, that invitation for allowing our own change, is how do we begin to gracefully allow for the change in other people? For me, sometimes that's one of the hardest things, is I've, I've become comfortable with my own change and trusting of my own change, but I'm not entirely comfortable or trusting of other people's change. Somebody could make a decision that rocks my world. And so we often engage with other people's change much more fearfully than we do our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and when we first started talking about this, I thought, well, I don't love when people change, (laughs) (laughs) but I really want them to be open to my change. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think the discomfort there for me, like, especially in, you know, a very, a very kind of more surface example is that recently my mom would start to go to the gym and things like that in the morning, which is such a beautiful change. But I tried to call her once and she didn't answer right away. And I lost my shit. (laughs) Where are you? Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? You're my mom. (laughs) What else are you doing? Which of course her whole life is what she's doing. <laughs> and being other people's mom. But it was it was this really tiny moment of like, ooh, something shifted and I'm impacted by that shift. Mm-hmm. How how am I holding that change? Right? And and I can be an adult and figure out where she was and be okay with that. But it was this small, slight shift. And and I think it takes I think it takes a lot of awareness and pause for us to be able to gracefully, as you said, hold the change of another, especially if that change is going to impact how we have related to them before, mm-hmm. like boundaries or that kind of thing. Or, or the, maybe the illusion of safety that we felt in, in holding really steady, right? In, right. in someone being very predictable to us. That's right. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm thinking about what first comes to mind in this too is the the amount of relationships that I hear about in sessions with clients or even in my own life that there has been a lot of turbulence or even endings because we haven't held each other's change well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really painful. And often I see that in my clients who have had grief by like the death of a person but then they also have these other constellations of grief in their life of relational endings. And they're not sure why they're holding those in the same place. And I, and I tell them those are both grief, mm-hmm. right? What mm-hmm. has happened there? And so often, again, it is because we have, we have not been able to hold each other's change. Right. And sometimes, right, to be fair, that change is something that just we can't align with. It doesn't right. fit with how we see ourselves in the world or, you know, 
maybe we've changed a lot and the other person is happy where they are, but that just doesn't work for us anymore, whether that's a friendship or an intimate relationship. And so sometimes we have to come to this place, which is a grief of recognizing that someone can be a very good person, but not our person. Mm. Uh, And, and that can be, that can be a really hard thing to gracefully learn how to let go of. I think a lot of us stay in places where we, that we've outgrown or that have just shifted or changed so much because we don't believe that we can leave unless we're being hurt. Oh, yeah. We have to spend a little time on this. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> but you say it. <laughs> I think it's a belief that a lot of us hold. I've held, you know, I held that for a long time that I couldn't break up with a boyfriend or I couldn't get out of a friendship that didn't feel very good because I wasn't really being hurt. I was just uncomfortable or we just weren't really connecting anymore. But you don't have to wait until you're in pain to leave and you don't have to wait until somebody outside of you would say, oh yeah, you've suffered enough. Mm -hmm. you can leave now like we can actually leave something well yeah and I'm not just talking about relationships I'm talking even about jobs Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we stay in jobs that we don't that don't fit for us anymore that don't align with our values or that we there's just another opportunity for us there's a space for us to grow but we stay because we've been treated well and we stay and we stay and we stay. And over that course of time, like, because we feel like we have to wait till we're hurt, we actually end up being really resentful and unhappy in that space. Right. I think it is a, it is a, like a really important skill to learn how to leave something well. Well, in our, our society, or how we are conditioned to do relationship or to do departure or leaving doesn't really leave a lot of space for that. You know, Mm -hmm. the questions we ask when something ends for someone else is, Oh, what happened for the two of you? Right. What was the problem? Or why, why did you leave the job? Right. Mm -hmm. What was wrong? Right. And, and to your point, sometimes it's not wrong. It's just no longer right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, this isn't it anymore. And I think if we, I, I, I'm noticing as we're talking about this, that I think a common experience emotionally that can come up when others change is resentment, right? I resent you for leaving. I resent you for moving on. I resent you for expanding. Um, I don't know that we name it that Mm -mm. because it's not very safe to do so. Yeah. But if we really dig and I know I have felt that before right? When people have departed or launched in ways that I haven't, it's like, oh, I'm having a little bit of resentment, mm-hmm. which is then an invitation for ourselves of what, what is there for us to look at when we struggle with the change of another? Right. <clears throat> and, and it can be a belief that it, it can be a couple things, right? It can be envy that you're doing something I don't think is available to me. Right. You're changing, but I'm supposed to stay the same so I can keep everything okay over here and you have the freedom to move. And so I'm envious, Mm -hmm. 
which is always an invitation to really challenge that. Is that true? Right. Right. And if it is true, what do I need to shift or change in my world and circumstances? I think the other thing that keeps us stuck is fear. We believe often that the predictability of somebody is our own stability and safety. Oof. And so this this person who's so predictable and steady and, you know, firm in their own whatever beliefs or something, and then one day they are like, hey, I actually don't feel this way or think this way anymore. That might be really scary. That might be really scary because now these what we what we deemed to be these unshakable things that kept us safe in someone else mm-hmm. begin to shift um and you know going to the idea of that heartwood we usually fo- fear feel most fearful in someone else's change when we aren't grounded in ourself when mm-hmm. we have felt grounded in someone else and now it's like well <laughs> Someone else or something else. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why um, when people have a a faith crisis or faith transition or something like that, it can be so unsettling to the person themselves because they've been putting their, you know, safety and security in this thing that doesn't work for them anymore or has changed, but it can be also really, really unsettling for the people around them Yeah, because all of that begins like the the world is shifting and moving under your feet. Well, and for so many faith traditions, there is an eternal component that you are jeopardizing. Right. Right. If you start to transition or question or, or shift. And when, when someone's change potentially means their life or death or their eternity in your mind, of course that feels really scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like faith transitions, things like that are like, they're really hard. They're also really hard things. And in just the, the changes that happen over the course of the lifetime of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and I think like you said, often those things fall apart because we can't hold space for someone else's change. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that just is true. But sometimes it's it's really a matter of can we continue to renegotiate mm-hmm. this relationship? When we begin a relationship, there's this initial negotiation. What does this mean? Are we serious? Is it the two of us? Whatever that is. And we're not very good at talking about like the details of that negotiation. Like you and I or just... <laughs> Yeah, because I know I'm not. <laughs> Are you my boyfriend? <laughs> We've been together for a few years now. Can we <laughs> define this? But but we're we're generally not that good at it. We have these assumptions of what we think it is for us and what we think it is for someone else. And for a while, those assumptions just kind of guide us in the relationship. And then we hit these sticky points where maybe it's something that we didn't talk about that's coming up. Maybe it's something we did talk about, but I've changed my mind or my partner's changed their mind. (laughs) My mind, he never changes my (laughs) mind. (laughs) He wishes. (laughs) 
but these really sticky points. And if we have not learned how to change with each other, how to allow the growth and change for someone else, they're often terminal. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm thinking about a person, a very brave person in my life who has been really doing some work of transitioning in their faith system and, and maybe they'd even call it deconstruction and just shifting a lot, right. From, from, from the, uh, beginning of some of the relationships that, that they've had in their lives. And there are some family members that are really struggling with that. There is a spouse that's really struggling with that. And this, this person's spouse they have responded by saying, I don't get it, but I love you. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I love you. Mm-hmm. I can hold your exploration. I have worry. I have fear. But bigger than that is my love. Mm-hmm. <sighs> right. This is, this is the, the space of negotiation. Right. And this is like the, the beauty of the, the partner's response to that is about recognizing that our beliefs are not who we are. Yep. That our worldview is not who we are. That our thoughts are not who we are. If we believe that they are, then we are going to be it's going to be very hard to be flexible. Yeah. We're going to be so rigid in that. You've changed, you've changed. Well, of course, like I hope I hope so. I hope that we change over time, but sometimes we can change in ways that are painful or that our partners don't understand. And like, can we, we've talked before about our own growth. How do we create the capacity for growth and change in a relationship? Yeah. And, and that comes from trying to untangle the, the way you saw the world or your beliefs or who you are. And can I like get to the core of who you are, right? And, right? and see you as this ever-evolving, ever-changing person and allow myself to do that and you to do that. Now, there are some times where that just doesn't work and there is, we have to allow and let go and grieve. And um, someone asked me this great question the, uh, just the other day. I was um, talking to someone about couples counseling And they said, can you tell me how you see marriage? What is the value of marriage? Right? (laughs) I was like, give me a minute. I've never answered this question before in, in a session, but it really, really made me think about it Mm -hmm. and how my, what I answered yesterday was way different than how I would have answered 20 years ago or 10 years ago. But what I came to was I think that marriage, partnership, companionship is this fertile ground for growth and change if we can allow that for each other. Mm. It is a place where we really can experiment with becoming and learning to be our most empathetic, kind, boundaried, solid self. Yeah. Because we're constantly bumping up against another human being, right? But what I also said is the best partnerships 
are the ones where we believe we have choice every single day. Where I know I could leave, but I choose today to stay to work on it. Mm -hmm. When we feel trapped in anything, we feel trapped. We we are going to to resist the change of someone else. We're going to resist the change of ourselves. We're going to resist the evolution of the relationship because we don't feel like we have choice. And so that doesn't feel safe. When we also, last week, I had a dream that I was trapped. It like actually in a cage and all these, like I, and then I, I was like, why did I have that dream? All of my sessions last week had some component of that experience. And I think my intuition or something was priming me for those conversations. And one of the things that came up repeatedly is that when we imagine what we would do to leave or how we could leave or what our life would be like without, we often think of that as non-commitment to where we are. Mm -hmm. It is not Mm -mm. right. And, and believing that you are free and knowing you are free and imagining how free you are, allows you in a more authentic and genuine way to choose where you are if you like it Mm -hmm. and if it's good and healthy. Yeah. I'm reminded of something that I heard in one of Esther Perel's podcasts, which I fully recommend, but she, she was talking to somebody who had out of the blue said they wanted to leave a relationship and had left the other partner stunned and hurt and in a lot of pain And this person was saying, like, I just can't do it anymore. It's just too much pressure. I feel trapped. I need to get away. I need to get away. And she said to him, you can leave, but understand that you are not exercising choice and intimacy in that you are just running away. Hmm. And can you allow for choice and intimacy in this situation? Now, I will say it wasn't an abusive situation. Like, there are a lot of, it was... It was a relationship that had two loving partners, but who had become so entrenched in this belief that they couldn't change and they were supposed to continue to show up the same way Mm. that that one had decided it was just better to be done. Yeah. And so this whole conversation was about, can you allow for change? Can you make a choice to show up and change together? change these dynamics, change these patterns and increase intimacy in that rather than believing that the only choice is to just, if you want to be different, you have to be away from this. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be a harder invitation to identify. I think. Mm, I think I have one. So (laughs) not hard for Brooke. (laughs) Uh, no, the invitation here is to recognize something that's changing in someone very close to you and be curious about the fear that might be coming up in you as you watch that change. Be curious about the story you're telling about it, about what it means for them and about what it means for you. And see if you can connect to that core part of you, recognizing how change has shaped who you are. And, and just approach their change with a little bit more curiosity. Mm. What if we're really good at telling the what if stories that are really bad, but that's just a story. And what's just as likely is there's a what if story that is positive, 
but it means that we have to, oh no, I'm going to make this longer. Okay. (laughs) We often think about what we want by describing what we don't want. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want him to leave me. I don't want him, right? All of these things. When what we're really saying is I want to stay deeply connected. I want to have a rich and fulfilling life. But if we're describing it by saying what we don't like, then we're pointed at that. Right. And we're going to look for confirmation of that. That's just the way our brains work. So being able to be curious about someone else's change and describe what you want by talking about what you want will allow you to be able to see the positive aspects of their change. And it will also allow you to see it more um, realistically Mm-hmm. so that you can decide what you need to do within that person's change, but not from that fear-based perspective. Yeah. I love the idea of finding something in another and seeing how you can be more curious about it. Because mm-hmm. I'm imagining for all of us, there's something we've been having a little bit of discomfort with. Yeah. All right. I'll we'll see, see you next time. We hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we love creating it. And we'd love to hear from you about your lived story. What are you examining and learning? Who are you becoming? Our podcast is sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. Following along with us on Instagram at Riverbend Therapy will allow you to engage more fully with the content of our episodes. There you'll find reflective questions, challenges, and community. If you appreciate this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform, or better yet, share it with people you think might benefit from the work here. Mm